welcome to the Willow in the Windies with David Oram. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Yardley tried his best, God had won the test. They gave the crowd plenty fun, the second test and West Indies won. With those little pals of mine, Hello and welcome to The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, with me, David Oram. I'll be looking at the recent major cricket news stories in the region, in the company of my good friend, the renowned West Indies cricket commentator, Joseph Reds Pereira. Greetings, Reds, how are you? Well, um, I'm actually looking at who was sold and who was not sold uh, with the IPL. Uh, not many West Indians got in, and surprisingly a, a number of left out, um, but such is the competition. Um, I'm preparing actually to do a 2020 game today here in St. Lucia and Denry, which is where um, close to where Darren Sammy originally came from. Mm. Uh, this is part of an independence tournament in the name of the Prime Minister, 2020, $25,000 to be won by the various teams. The winning team getting uh, the man of, uh, well, the winning team getting $10,000. And basically looking at the situation where um, well, the New Zealand captain right, is about to um, play his last, his last um, uh, ODI, um, mm. Brendan McCollum, for New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got quite a few things, as you say, to, uh, to cover this week. We're, 2020 cricket's going to be a, a big part of that and, uh, and those other international matches. But I think we've got to start, Red, to the, uh, the the biggest talking point in world cricket this week was uh, <laughs> was of West Indian nature. Uh, the final moments of the West Indies under-19 uh, match this week when off the first ball of the last over, a man-cadding was uh, performed against Zimbabwe. Uh, condemned in some quarters, but uh, many defended. Uh, the manager, Dwayne Gill, has defended it. Ian Bishop's defended it. Umpire John Holder publicly defended it. Although Steve Buckner did criticise it. What was your view, Reds? Well, my view still stands. Um, in the longer format of the game, uh, 10 overs of an ODI, is, the bowler may consider warning you. Um, first day of a test match, second day of a test match, um, the bowler may consider to apply the warning. But um, I don't see how people could see that um, the rule is very clear. And mm. in the case of the West Indies Zimbabwe um, game, three balls, three runs to get, six balls to go, you simply had to apply the rule. A win in the, is a win. Um, it's not the best way to win, but it was a legal way to win. And that's it. I mean, I saw that... Um, the former England captain, Mike Lotterton, talking about the spirit of the game. Well, the spirit of the game is not always applied, and there are many, many instances where the spirit of the game was not applied. Joe Solomon kept falling in Melbourne. Mm. Um, Colin Cowdery taking a, a, a water break <laughs> at border when England were nine down, and the match ended in, in, in a draw. The many dubious catches, uh, re-Lara against Australia. And, you know, Jorin Campbell being blocked uh, by Julian at um, 
at, at Kensington, you know, Tony Gregg, last ball of the day, it might be technically alive. Yeah. Throwing down the stumps of Cali Tran when all the England players were starting to walk off. Hmm. Where is the spirit? Who who talked about the spirit then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, I I personally think it reflected conventions in the game where it has crept in over recent years, decades, that backing up is somehow acceptable. It is not acceptable. A player should remain in his ground, uh, <laughs> while the, whether it's the bowler, the keeper, whomsoever has got the ball in his hand. He left his ground and uh, he was, well, it's, it's almost like a bowler's stumping. It was um, it was out and it was a shame. I think a lot of people felt it left, it was a terrible shame and left perhaps a little bitter taste in the mouth because the match was on such a knife edge. But um, I couldn't condemn the West Indies for what they did, though I think a lot of people were a little conflicted. Uh, I was interested to see Graham West, the West Indies under-19s coach, who was pacing up and down throughout the last few overs. And uh, when a lot of West Indies players were back-slapping each other and high-fiving, I think Graham kept a very, very good, cool head of, you know, well done, boys, we won. But uh, I don't think he wanted to really jump for joy at the, at the manner of the victory. Well, I think we need to go back to 1948. Um, the late Sir Donald Bradman, writing about the incident, uh, said that Vinu Mankad was perfectly correct. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, th- th- that to me is an indicator that you cannot steal an advantage, especially looking to steal advantage in a crunch uh, situation. Um, and David, maybe, you know, just enough has been said uh, we simply have to move on. I don't believe that the ICC uh, will be changing uh, the law. I don't think so. But there will be pressure. Yeah. No, I, th- I think you're right. Uh, MCC made a quite clear statement as well that this was perfectly legal and didn't think there was anything about the, the spirit of the law in question. Um, I think you're right. I think we'll move on, Reds. I think we're in agreement and um, let other people argue it elsewhere. Um other things that came out of the match and the tournament thus far. Uh, Azari Joseph, um, Reds, he's been very impressive, the quick bowler. Yes, he is the brightest prospect. Um, you know, we thought that Beaton was the was the bright prospect. And for one reason or the other, um, he hasn't quite come on. He hasn't been um, given a chance at the West Indies level. Uh, but this Azari Joseph um, really looks like a, a major... I mean, if we've seen uh, an Australian or, or, or a Pakistani or an English bowler or someone from New Zealand bowling in likewise manner, we will say, wow, they have a prospect in the making. <laughs> well, we have a prospect in the making here. How do we handle him? When do we expose him? Um, I saw a suggestion that um, if he's even not going to play against... South Africa and Australia in the ODIs in June, he should be just part and parcel of a West Indies squad, looking on, practicing, observing, so he begins to, to get the feel. Now, who is going to work with him? And mm-hmm. Andy Roberts, and Ian Bishop, uh, uh, Michael Holding, I'm just calling names. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, needs, he, he needs that kind of technical help. I don't think there are too many um, things to change. He seemed to be have natural rhythm, beautiful action, and we have a fine as uh, Rambada was a fine for South Africa, and they have handled him very well. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Uh, Ian, Ian Bishop was uh, one of those that advocated getting uh, uh, Joseph involved with the, the full squad. Not necessarily to play, but to be in and around those situations in the immediate future. Uh, there is more I want to talk about the Under-19 World Cup, Reds, but I think I think you and I have decided that what we're going to do is, with West Indies just about to play their, their next game against Pakistan, win or lose, um, but I think we'll catch up midweek and uh, review the tournament then, which may, unfortunately, we're guessing, see uh, West Indies uh, on their way home, or eliminated, as it were. But I think we've done enough on the uh, Under-19 World Cup for now. Um, so we'll move on to one or two of the bits of, uh, I call them cricket politics of the week. Uh, the West Indies uh, cricket board has put out a release this week, Reds, um, reflecting on the allegations that there was inappropriateness in the selection process and influence from the outside. Uh, the, the press release didn't really seem to say a great deal, though, did it, Reds? No, it did say that, that the president and the vice president um, was um, wrong to make those uh, what turned out to be uh, statements without having the backing of the board or without the knowledge of the board. But that's basically where it stopped. And then it look forward um, to future guidelines of, of what should not happen. Um, and, you know, um, maybe we were expecting uh, more, uh, mm. but it was a, a very um, cautious, very cautious um, statement. And um, I see Phil Simmons, I think, quite rightly um, at this point saying no comment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I find it a little bit... I found it odd. There was a lot of gaps within this report, as you quite rightly say. Or no, no, we haven't seen the report. What we've seen is the press statement from the WICB. And they say within it that they, they have um, it was wrong of the president and vice president of WICB to make comments. Those were comments they made about that they personally would have liked to have seen Shiv Chandrabal stay in the test team when the selectors dropped him. The whole issue was not really about... Shiv Chandrapal, it was more the allegations that Simmons seemed to be making about the non-inclusion of particularly Dwayne Bravo and Kieran Pollard. Uh, it's been said in other places that the influence were com- influences were coming from the director of cricket, Richard Pybus, to directly to not include these players. The report makes no... The press release makes no mention of that. It does say that the report was done by uh, Colin Barnett, who's on the WICB's HR committee. But I wonder, is that report going to be made public to us, Reds? Yes, a very good point. Will the Barnett report ever make um, the the day in the sun? Um, And I think the um, press statement referred to the present policy, Mm. the present policy, of the West Indies selectors. And, you know, you have to read the tea leaves. Um, <laughs> you have to read the tea leaves uh, to just be reminded uh, that uh, there seems to be a policy they are following. I hope that policy will change for the ODIs against South Africa and uh, Australia mm-hmm. because it's time we bury this matter and pick the team Yes, I know some people are going to say they didn't play in the magical, you know, I think in the best interest of West Indies cricket, um, we, we, we need um, to put this hatchet deep down into the earth and cleanse, cleanse the, uh, the, the, the whole matter. 
I, I don't disagree with you. I think clarity, transparency is essential. That's one of the points they make in the recommendations in the press release. Uh, the advising of the public on selection criteria. I suspect, Reds, that selection criteria will reiterate, as you allude to there, that the likes of Bravo, etc., will not qualify for play for those ODIs because they did play the Nazca. But that's for the future. Uh, we'll move on from that. One other piece of uh, news that I found interesting this week was the news that uh, the president of the Jamaica Cricket Association, Billy Heaven, he's going to be challenged by his own secretary, uh, Fritz Harris. Yes, um, I don't know since his quote-unquote spat um, <laughs> with uh, the president of Cameron, whether he's lost some ground uh, within the affiliates. Mm. Um, I will give uh, Tony Becker a call just to confirm um, whether the challenge is um, going to be serious. The challenge is definitely on. Just to go back to my statement on the 55th ODI selection, I think, David, um, you and I might be heavily criticized, but we will certainly uh, put those criticisms out because we love feedback and we want to ensure that other people's views on our program are in fact carried. Quite right. Now, we, we like to air people that uh, disagree with us. You and I probably agree too often, Reds, and we, we do need to hear the other side of the story. Um, there was an ICC meeting this week, Reds. Was there anything interesting to you that came out of that? Just like um, the takeover may be reviewed. Um, <laughs> how, how much a review, how much um, power uh, Australia, India and England are, are, are going to lose, um, we, we just have to wait and see. I mean, you know, there, there, there was no uh, detail in it. What's your take on it? Um, I still have suspicions, Reds. Uh, I read some very interesting reports coming from the Indian papers this week, that uh, people in India, people within the BCCI, are not going to want to give up power uh, quite so easily uh, when that power translates into money. Uh, we, sh we shall wait and see. I'm very sceptical. Uh, personally, I do think it was a great big mistake um, by all the other countries to not stand against India when it made its threats effectively in the past. And Australia and uh, England supported them to take that bigger slice of the pie. England and Australia just said, no, this is morally wrong. And if India then went, OK, we're going somewhere else, let them go. Let them go. But that's done and dusted now. David, you're getting carried away a bit there. <laughs> <laughs> well, poss possibly. But it's something I feel passionately about, Reds. Um, I shot in anger. I shot in anger. <laughs> well, it, it, it is. I, I just hate seeing the way that... Uh, Countries, particularly close to, you know, close to my own heart, West Indies, has been bullied in this situation. Well, let's move on, David. Uh, let's now uh, move on and uh, let's put that on, on the back burner. I think you're quite right. Uh, further afield, Reds, international cricket. Uh, we've got the 2020 World Cup coming up soon. West Indies have lost their place at the top of the ICC rankings this week, mainly because, well, specifically because India were so impressive in their 3-0 win over Australia. Ironically, if India are now going to play a three-match series against Sri Lanka, and if Sri Lanka win that, Sri Lanka will go to number one. But uh, the Indians were very impressive, Red. So, do you think they're probably favourites for the 2020 World Cup? Yes, they're, they're, they're at home, and, and they have a good side, and, and they play well in their own conditions. Um, what is bothering a lot of West Indian supporters, including myself, 
is that where everyone else, the serious contenders, are playing 2020 um, ODI, uh, uh, 2020 internationals, we are not. We are going to get some um, matches in uh, the venue when we get there. Mm. And I see that uh, during our camp, we will play Warwickshire in yes. a couple of, of practice matches. But everybody else is ahead in terms of preparation. Everyone else is playing 2020s at the right time. We have just come out of the Nagico, which was 50 over. And uh, our um, ability to get some 2020s under our belt I mean, it's going to be somewhat limited. It starts with the camp and it starts with the matches allowed before the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Well, England and South Africa, New Zealand and Australia, they're playing 50-over cricket at the moment. But the style of their cricket, particularly England, is very much of the 2020 uh, uh, style. Um, England are going to be quite in, uh, quite a team to beat as well. Oh, yes. I, I think, um, you know... Other than saying the India at home must start as the favourites, that doesn't guarantee them at all. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there are about four countries that can win uh, this uh, 2020 World Cup. Yeah, yeah. There was good news coming out of uh, Trinidad. Sadhana Ryan seems to be making progress with his bowling action reds. Yes, um, I, I read that. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the key is... When he goes to, to have his action tested, uh, then I, I, I really um, want to hear you know, that he was successful. Um, it, it's quite natural for the people around him in Port of Spain to, to, feel, to feel that he's made good strides. Um, but it's how the ICC um, authorities uh, see this. Uh, we just have to keep our fingers crossed because he'll be a, a, a vital, vital part of our bowling attack um, in the 2020 competition. No, absolutely. Um, Ryan was uh, one of those players retained for the uh, upcoming IPL uh, later. Uh, you touched upon this at the top of the show, Reds, that uh, uh, the West Indies players that uh, either signed or unsigned. I mean, just briefly, the, the biggest, uh, or perhaps the most interesting addition was that Carlos Brathwaite has been uh, signed up by the Delhi Dare, Daredevils. Uh, elsewhere, Dwayne Smith's with the Gujarat Lions. Uh, Jason Holder, Kolkata Knight Riders, Samuel Badri with the Royal Challengers Bangalore, Dwayne Bravo has, uh, uh, is with the Gujarat Lions, um, Kieran Pollard is with the Mumbai Indians, as is Lendl Simmons. The names that went uh, unsold included uh, Shane Dowich, Johnson Charles, uh, and perhaps most surprisingly, Darren Sammy. Yes, um, you know, the 2020 captain, you would think, um, you know, would have had. I think he he was valued at 50,000 um, 50, US and didn't get yeah. um, didn't get selected. I've got some names here. Uh, Lewis, Cooper, Bess, um, Barnwell, Deanna Ryan, Taylor, um, Emrit, Edwards, um, D- Darren Bavro, Ben, uh, Sammy, Durridge, and Charles. Mm. Um, that basically were those who were not uh, sold. Um, so, um, well, let's, let's hope that the ones who go to IPL with a Western background do very well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one name I did. And, and, and you know, David, um, 
this case of Carlos Braffer was interesting because his value, um, you know, really shot up mm. during the 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 whole matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I suspect that what it reflects as much as anything, Reds, is if you uh, achieve in other formats of the game uh, and get exposure, in Brathwaite's case, the series in Australia, it can uh, promote you into areas like the IPL. Well, I hope, um, you know, that the West Indies selectors see him as a, as a test player. I think that he's going to be a good enough eventually to hold his, his own as qualifying for the top six. Um, you know, I think his batting is going to come on leaps and bounds. I think that um, the way he played um, in Australia um, was just not lucky. He played extremely well. And he must be seen, first of all, as a batsman who can bowl a bit. Yeah, yeah. A few more bits of 2020 news, uh, or emerging from this week. Shiv Chandrapal, uh, playing in the, in the Masters, uh, said that the West Indies cricket board forced him to retire. Well, forced was rather a strong word, uh, Reds. It seemed, that all seemed a bit disingenuous to me. Yes, because anyone with a memory who read the ICC ruling on this matter, the ICC is the one who decided that all players must resign yeah. in writing before they qualify. It had nothing to do with the West Indies board. And uh, I don't know whether there was a miscommunication in the interview he did, but it went worldwide that he was forced uh, to resign and uh, there was never a question that he would not be able to, to play for Guyana it was very clear uh, that um, you know the ones who were given um, the no objection um, certificates can all play for their respective franchise I, 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 w- I was very surprised um, to read what, what, what came out and it went wor- wor- worldwide and a lot of people kept repeating it yeah. before eventually um, it, it might have sub, uh, sunk in that, hi, this was an ICC uh, stipulation, nothing to do with the West Indies board. Absolutely, Rez. I, I, I confess I was both surprised and very disappointed. The interview was done on Crick Info with George DeBell, who I regard as probably the finest cricket writer and journalist in the world at the moment. And he... In his interview with Chandrapal, he, he did push it that, that Chandrapal had been forced into this situation by the WICB, which, as you've just clarified, is not the case at all. These players were made, it made quite clear that they had to have retired from international cricket to qualify to play this tournament. It didn't stop them playing for Guyana or in Fidel case, Edwards' case, Hampshire, things like that. So to even suggest that uh, Chandrapal has been forced into his retirement by the WICB was was, as I say, it was a disingenuous from Chandrapur, and frankly, I, as I say, I was very disappointed in George DeBell to lead him down that path in the interview. Yes, I strongly support you on the matter of George. You know, he's highly respected. Um, you know, he represents Greg um, Info, and uh, he would have known, he would have known that it was an ICC um, sort of regulation, and, uh, you know, maybe he should not have gone down that, that route because I think that uh, Shiv Chandrapal um, simply re- reacted 
to, to a situation where the person interviewing him didn't seem to remember or didn't seem to know. Well, I don't know. I think, I think, George, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna forgive George on this because because I love the man's work immensely and he's a, a terrific guy and honestly I think it was something that Chandra Paul wanted to say I think Chandra Paul still has a very big chip on his shoulder about the way he feels he was has been treated by the WICB and I think that was what was reflected in that. I think you are very correct on that. Um, we must quickly cover the fact, uh, the, the news that seems to be emerging in the last 24 hours, Reds, that uh, the Barbados Trident has been, uh, has been bought uh, by uh, Dr, and I have forgotten his name now, um, Dr Malaya, Malaya, Dr Vijay Malaya, uh, who's involved with Royal Challengers Bangalore. Uh, the story was denied in uh, some of the papers, the Stabrook News and others in the Caribbean this week, but uh, he has said in an interview with the Mumbai Times today that he has indeed, in collaboration with the Barbados government, uh, secured the Barbados Trident, but they will retain the Barbados Trident's identity and name. So it's effectively a co-ownership between him and uh, uh, the Barbados government. Is, is this good for, for the CPL? Is it good for Barbados? Yes, I think so. Um, yeah. I, I think the Barbadians, um, you know, will will know that it isn't going to change the performance of the team um, on the field. Um, it's going to give the, um, the franchise uh, good financial backing. Mm. I would really like to see a CPL statement, uh, which clearly defines um, who uh, you know, are in fact um, sold and who are not sold. I mean, for example, uh, I, I live in St. Lucia. What's the situation with, with the Zooks? Mm. Uh, is there is there an owner? Is there someone thinking of buying it? And uh, I think th that question uh, could well, um, you know, be asked of of others. Uh, will Hawksbill maintain uh, their same buyer? Uh, you know. Yeah, I think there's quite a few bits of clarification we could hope to get. There was an interview in uh, the Guy on the Times this week with. Uh, the Chief Operations Officer of the CPL, uh, Peter Russell, and uh, he was saying that within that, that it hasn't been finalised where the closing stages of the CPL will be hosted. Uh, there seems to be bids coming in from Trinidad and Tobago, from Barbados and Guyana. <laughs> Apparently the bids are not of the size that uh, they might hope for, uh, for an August 7th final. Uh, but there does need to be a little bit more clarification on that. I'm hoping when I go to Barbados soon that I'm going to be able to have an interview with a, uh, a guy I know quite well called Terry Bent, who seems to know all the inside information about the Barbados Tridents. He runs a very good uh, uh, a blog about the Barbados Tridents, and uh, I'm sure he will be at least able to tell me what the inside track on that is, and hopefully I can record an interview with him. Well, um, who makes the, the best bid for the CPL? Because bids determine where um, ev events are going, where matches are going, no doubt these days. But um, the reports out of Georgetown indicating that they have lost uh, some very, very useful players. Mm. Um, that Narine is returning to his franchise in Trinidad. That uh, Linda Simmons is also, um, well, that, that was well stated earlier, is going back after three years. And my last um, pick up on this, that's um, 
the West Indies captain rammed it. Um, uh, the, 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 the captain of the Guyana franchise, let me put it that way, will be heading back to Port of Spain. Right. Um, and they will have a focus on regional players. Uh, yet I, I read somewhere that Guptil is back in, 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 in the Jaguars lineup. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, there's obviously a lot more news to come out of the CPL, and we will monitor that. Um, time is against us, Reds. We've got a couple of minutes left. But before we go, I do, we did want to acknowledge that uh, this week, uh, uh, one of the great names of Australian cricket turned 80, uh, Bobby Simpson, somebody I know that uh, you worked with, Reds. Yes, I, I, I worked um, with Simpson, uh, Western East Australia, um, and, uh, you know... Very knowledgeable, a great personality, and uh, I saw him captain um, Australia when we had the issue with Kerry Packer, and they brought um, a second team in '78. He was brought back as as captain. He was a tough, he was a tough player. I mean, his record stands for himself, himself and Bill Laurie, um, a great um, pair. Yeah. Um, he once told me that when facing Wesley Hall. He used to talk to himself. He used to say, okay, <laughs> come on, Bobby, get to five. All right, now, Bobby, get to ten. Okay, set your sights, Bobby, on twenty. Uh, and I think he was underlining to me when he faced Hall. He really had to be concentrating because of Hall's ability uh, to bowl very, very quick and to get the ball to rise off very goodish length. And, uh, you know, it was really an education um, to hear him talk about that period, which is all, all always important, and uh, to, to um, actually work with him in terms of what was happening in, in, in the middle. He was a traditionalist. Hmm. He was a, a man who, um, you know, probably uh, didn't back a, a lot in, 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 of the modern game. I don't believe that he might have been big on, on World Series and the changes that led uh, to, to, to better men for all in terms of cash incentive. But I think he is looked upon as an Australian test hero. Yeah, yeah. And some of his more pivotal moments uh, occurred in the Caribbean. As you said there, he led the uh, young Australian side in 77-78, uh, I think it was, when uh, he came back out of retirement because players had gone to uh, the Packers World Series. He was uh, coach of the side in 95 when it took the world crown uh, from under the very noses of the, the West Indies. Uh, and he was the captain when the West Indies took that crown in 64-5. Yes, uh, that, that was 64-5 uh, is uh, a real series, a uh, great series, which probably um, maybe the world didn't quite follow that keenly. In, in, in those days, I mean, if you look at the, uh, at the matchups of Australia and the West Indies in that time, and you know, Sir Frank World um, played a, a great role, a great role. He kept the side together. Um, he insisted that the side travelled together, and um, you know, it, it, it was in fact a, a very good series for the West Indies to win because the Australian team was a very strong side. Yeah, yeah, uh, very fine cricketer and uh, yeah, great influence on uh, on Australian cricket. Uh, Reds, I think that's about all the time we've got this week. Um, I know you'd like to thank our listeners in the regions. Yes, um, big thank you to all in, in Grenada. Um, 
as I said last week, they're fo focusing on holding a major track and field games and uh, cricket has been pushed in the background basically um, in Grenada for a while because Lord Cole will be heading there. But uh, St. Vincent, uh, Antigua, where we are in the Eastern Caribbean, our friends in the BVI, and of course across uh, North America, where it might be on the chilly side, and we hope that our <laughs> our, our program, David, would have warmed their hearts. <laughs> Very well said, sir. Um, and yes, I'd like to thank all of our listeners in the uh, oh, uh, via the internet as well. Uh, Reds and I intend to be back midweek uh, to talk uh, in a bit more depth about the Under-19s World Cup and the West Indies com campaign. So hopefully you can catch up with us then on The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with Reds Pereira and myself, David Oram. Goodbye. <laughs>